campus pastor here at Tri-Village Church, a campus of Wheaton Bible Church. And again, I am so glad that you are here. Welcome. Welcome into this space. Welcome into this community. Welcome this Sunday morning as we worship together. Now, before we step in, like I've done the past couple weeks, and just because, I, I don't know about you guys, but it is a, an unusual time to be worshiping in the middle of a pandemic, I just want to remind us of the guidelines that we're, we're trying to adhere to. And, and more than that, to remind us why we're trying to adhere to these guidelines. As I said before, we are a part of a community that gives up its rights for the other, that loves and serves one another by doing that, because we're emulating our Savior Jesus who gave up his rights, like we talked about last week, to come down to earth and to save us. And so we're following in his footsteps in big ways when we give up our lives for the gospel and in small ways when we wear a mask. And I mean that. That's not just me trying to get you to wear your mask. But saying that, I am really grateful that you're wearing your mask. There's a lot of different perspectives on this pandemic. And so wherever you're at on the spectrum, I am glad that you're wearing your mask in an effort to love those who may not agree with you as it relates to the, the pandemic. Again, we're a community that gives up its rights for the sake of the others. Part of the experience that we'll have this morning is going to be a little bit different. There won't be a passing of the offering plate. There won't be a passing of communion. Those are normal Christian discipleship practices. But for this time being, we are going to adhere to even that deeper uh, characteristic of being a Christian, which is to love one another by pa not passing the plate, not doing communion, not participating in that way for the sake of others. Now, the other thing I'll mention, and I've mentioned it before, and again, it's still weird every time I say it. We're about to sing. I love singing. I am going to make sure that the speakers are up because I, you don't want to hear me singing. But I want to make sure that we sing softly into our masks, again, for the sake of others. A couple little things. Bathroom out there. Usually we have three bathrooms all out throughout the building. Bathroom out there. That's the one we're using right now if you need to use it. There's a kid's space out there. We're worshiping family worship right now. So kids are in this space because kids are part of our community. Amen? Amen. So kids, students, this is family. So as we participate in this, if it gets a little rowdy in here, don't, don't get worried. Don't, it's okay. It's actually a celebration, all right? So as we step into worship, hear these words from God in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the, the bodies are burned outside the camp, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Hear this, church. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Let's do that together this morning as we step into worship. Would you stand and we're going to sing softly, we're going to sing loud, and we're going to worship the Lord together this morning. Just like Pastor said, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, he'll be the same tomorrow, amen. This Jesus, who carried our shame, this Jesus rose from the grave this Jesus we worship today we worship today come to us 
to put it back on. Um, amen. We know that our Redeemer lives, right? Uh, come on, wake up this morning. Can you give me a amen? We know that our Redeemer lives, right? Amen. amen. 
it's an amazing thing to gather together again. And one of the things we um, like to do when we gather is, is kind of update news of the church. But the first thing that uh, I should have done a little bit earlier is I want to not just welcome everybody who has been here the past couple of weeks, but if this is your first time here, if you're new here, if whether you're a Christian, not a Christian, you've been a Christian for many years, we are grateful that you're in this space. We are glad that you are here worshiping with us. And we would love to connect with you. So anybody that's wearing a made-for-this shirt, anyone you've seen on this stage, anyone you've seen greeting, we would love to help you get further connected or even help you even learn about who Jesus is. If you're new here, we want you to feel like this is familia. Now, speaking about connection and familia, here at TVC and as a whole church at Wheaton Bible Church, we not only want you to feel connected, we want you to feel wanted and needed, right? We want you here, and to be honest, we need you here. We're not just an island. God is making a people for himself together, Right? And as a people, we serve one another. We love one another. We participate in, in worship, even wearing masks for one another. And a great way to continue to love one another is to step into participating further in what we're doing here at TVC. So on your way in, you were encouraged by someone who checked you in, smiled through the mask, through the eyes, if you can tell. They were waving signs, holding doors, directing you, even seating you. Ushers here. Uh, a team of people got here at, at 7 a.m. to set up, to work through sound, to work through slides, all so that we could participate in worship together, all so that we could experience Jesus together. And no, not all of those things are needed, but it's part of the way we're, we're stepping into worship this morning. I say all that to do two things. Number one, if you're part of that team, I was going to do this because I thought you guys might be sitting, but if you're part of that team, can you raise your hand? If you've served in any way on the tech team, on the front door ministry team, greeting, raise your hand. Everyone look around. Thank you. Thank you so much for serving this community in that particular way. The second thing I want to say is I want you guys to be part of that team. I want you guys to feel what they're feeling as they serve, as they love. I want you to have the blessing of serving others in that space. If that is what perhaps God is calling you to, and I really mean that, stepping into relationship with others in that particular way, I want you to be part of that. So if you have any questions, if you want to know more about that, we have spots all over our front door ministry team, greeting, ushers, we have spots on our tech team. Come talk to me, come talk to Melissa, she'll be out at the tent afterwards, there'll be someone there, ask your questions, but this isn't, again, just to get people in spots it's because in all these spaces, we are expressing the welcome of Christ. Romans 15 says, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. And this is one of the ways to do that. So even as I say this, if you're feeling drawn to that, please come talk to me. We do need you. Now, serving doesn't just stop on Sunday mornings. I've been talking about that. So one of the things, if we'll go to the next slide. Man, this is, I've got to get used to this. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about as a church a couple times now is CareFest. Who here has participated in a CareFest project at TVC? Look at those hands, right? This is one of the ways in which we serve our community, all over the multiple counties that were spread across as a church, all right? So CareFest is actually happening on two different dates this year. It's happening on August 8th and November 7th. Now, that doesn't mean those are the only times we have CareFest projects. We've had CareFest projects all summer, all throughout this pandemic. We want to continue that, and sometimes we want to do that on a particular day. Now, you ask, why in the world do we have two dates? Well, because in this season, and I haven't explained it best, but I want to do it now, this season at TVC, we wanted to regroup and recenter on what the Lord is calling us to, and we wanted to step into those dates better 
and August was just a little bit close to us. So we're joining our church on August 8th. I want to encourage you to serve at West Chicago, the West Chicago campus at Iglesia del Pueblo during those times. You can sign up. Registration is already open. You can submit ideas. They want that. And then we're also, as a community, going to be serving on November 7th in this area. And we're getting ideas for that. Please submit your ideas. So two things I want you to do. Save the dates, 8-8 and 11-7. Put it on your calendar. Serve at both. I really mean that I want you to serve at both. I'm not just saying that. We're one church, and we can serve all over these communities and be the church in these communities. And then submit your ideas. We need more ideas on how to serve. You guys, are, we're all in the community, but I only know so many people. So you guys know a lot more people than I do that are hurting, that are in need. So submit your ideas at trivillagechurch.org forward slash carefest. Give us suggestions so that we can step well into our community on that date in, on 11-7. Now, last thing I'll say. I've been talking too much. I'm sorry. Carefest is not the only way in which our church family as a whole serves the communities. Like I mentioned, we've been doing projects. We have a date. But each year, our campuses actually partner together to put on the Puente del Pueblo summer program. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that, but I love that program ever since I started here. I've actually been looking at it for years in, in other ways that I've been serving across the Midwest. This program helps students succeed in school, learn important life skills, and have a ton of fun together. So it's, it's a combination of a number of things. And this year the program has been, if you haven't noticed, pretty essential, right, with students out of school and e-learning, families trying to figure out what this new rhythm looks like. Each day we have more than 50 students that are being picked up and bused to the West Chicago campus for a full day of both learning and fun, relationship, connection. So through all of your generosity, ministries like CareFest, serving our community, and Puente del Pueblo, that summer program, are able to thrive and support. And so when I step into this new thing and ask for you to take a moment to prayerfully consider giving, setting up a recurring gift, I'm not just asking because we need money. I'm asking because this is what finances and resources are going to programs like this, opportunities like this, stepping into our community and being the church like this. There are multiple ways that you can give. They're up on the screen. You can drop off your gift in the back in the offering box. You can text it in, Tri-Village at 777, sorry, 77977. There's a lot of sevens in there. 77977, Tri-Village. You can text it that way. You can send it to the church. You can give online. There's multiple ways. But again, I want you to know that we are stepping into multiple opportunities to serve our communities. And I want you to be part of that. Not just with your time, but yes, with your time. Not just with your money, but yes, with your money. But also with your heart. We're stepping in because we love, because we love each other and we love these communities. I've taken way too much time on announcements. So I want to step into worship again as we sing. But Tri Village Church, I'm glad that we're here together. It's a celebration to worship God together. So let's lift up our voices and sing about the beautiful name of Jesus.
Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory, the glory of your kingdom, and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. You give life, you are love, 
It's your very breath in our lungs that even gives us the impetus that we want to praise you. And my prayer, Father, for the church is that your praise would not only emanate from our lips, but that it would emanate from our hearts that would be demonstrated in our lives. We don't want to be like religious people that we praise with our lips, but our lives are far from praising you. That's our prayer. Father, I'm reminded of Paul and Silas praising you with their lips as they sat in a Philippian jail. Chained. But yet, praise flowed from their lips. Father, I know that this year has not been what we expected. Many of us, we have not necessarily been chained in a prison, but we have in some sense been constricted to our homes. We've had limitations. And Father, would you forgive us how quick we have been to complain and not praise? Father, we need you. Every hour we need you. And our one request is your righteousness. Living and moving in our lives. For you are worthy of it. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, uh, band, for uh, leading us. It has been indeed a crazy year. <laughs> it's, it's more than halfway over, so congratulations. Uh, <laughs> you've made it this far. I know some of us want to be kind of like Rip Van Winkle and just go to sleep and wake up in 2021. Like, uh, not kidding, I've, I've thought about that a couple of times throughout this process. Hey, but good news, uh, since I've last been with you, you got a campus pastor, so let's give it up for Pastor Eric. So that, that is good news. I had the opportunity to connect with Eric a couple of days ago, and so I'm really excited about what the Lord is going to do through him and his leadership here at Tri-Village. Well, if you know, we are in a series uh, right now called True Community, Walking Through uh, Philippians. And so let me also kind of extend a warm welcome to all of the Tri-Villagians. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up. But all of you who are connecting with us online, please know that you are loved, that we love you, that we cannot wait to be with you at some time in the future. And so give it up for those who are connecting with us online. You get to enjoy your eggs and your hash browns and your coffee, and so. Uh, but it really is. It's good to have you tune in as well. So we're in this series, True Community, and we're looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. 
And as I think about Paul's letter to the church in Philippians, I have this thought and I want to kind of share it with you on the screen. Because as we think about this whole idea of true community, I want you to see the potential that lies within a true community. So a church or a covenant community has unlimited potential for gospel transformation in the life of that church in the life of that community where that church resides, in the city where they reside, and in the life of the world. So I want you to sit, I want you to sit here and I want you to really think about that idea that within the church, a covenant community, the called out ones of Jesus sent back into the world to be salt and light, What sits here today has this unlimited potential to release gospel transformation. Unlimited potential. Unlimited. But but here's here's the incredible thing about the church, though. Not only does it have this unlimited power to transform us individually, not only does it have unlimited power to transform us as a community as Jesus shapes us more into his image to reflect the glory of the Father, but as he shapes us and transforms us, it begins to spill out into the community. It begins to spill out into the city. It begins to spill out into the state. It begins to spill out into the world. And if you haven't watched news lately, or you haven't read the Drudge Report, or you haven't scrolled through social media or anything, our world needs us to be a true community that has this unlimited potential of God transformation. Our world needs it. Needs it. So that's kind of what we have been talking about. And let me move that stand because I'm going to get excited here in a second. I'm going to kick it. Here's what we're going to dive in today in Philippians 3. And I'm going to give you the main point. I'm going to give you it two different ways because I I couldn't make up my mind. You can make up your mind. If you don't like either statement, you can come up with your own statement. So, But but here's the main point that we're going to flesh out this morning in Philippians 3. Your confidence in life shapes the core of your living. Your confidence in life shapes the core of your living or what you trust in will drive what you live for. What you trust in will drive what you live for. Let me give you an example. I love the game of golf. And I'm sure many Americans have uh, at least had some type of, uh, uh, at least appreciation for the game of golf because it was one of the only few sports that, that went live in June. Now, some of you sitting out there thinking, well, NASCAR went live. That's not a sport. You know how I know that? Because years ago when I met my wife, she taught me what NASCAR stands for. Not another sport centered around rednecks and see I can say that because I'm from Tennessee so I am one so 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 golf was was on and I know some of you are like well baseball's back on and that's great but I love the game of golf played golf growing up even played a little in college there's this there's this one player right now called Bryson DeChambeau he's 26 years old and he's actually been on the tour just a a few years but in that time he's kind of made his presence known 
Uh, One of the reasons why he's made his presence uh, known is because he's actually won six tournaments since joining the tour, and he's number seven in the world golf rankings. I mean, uh, so people are like, man, Bryson, he's in this tournament, he's probably a contender. But there's another reason why Bryson has uh, kind of made himself known, and that's because of his kind of unique way at approaching the game of golf. He really has this kind of uh, unorthodox uh, kind of a, a approach to the game of golf. I'll give you uh, some examples. Uh, one, again, if you know the game of golf, uh, all of your clubs should be different lengths. Uh, not Bryson's. All of them are the same length. Yeah. Uh, did you know this? Uh, he soaks his golf balls in Epsom salt so that he can find the center of gravity. Don't ask me how he does that or how he can figure that out, but he does. Could you imagine getting ready for a tournament and you like go into your, you know, your bathtub and you dump all your golf balls out there and somebody, well, what are you doing? I'm trying to find the center of gravity. Well, so good for Bryson. He's trying to find the center of gravity. Uh, there, there was a tournament not too long, well, a couple years ago where he was really trying to mirror the, the environment uh, out on the course on the practice range. And so he had some launch monitors there and then every ball he hit was a brand new ball out of the sleeve. And I'm thinking, I don't even bring brand new balls out on the course. And he, here he is on the practice range. He got a lot of money, I guess. And so he's taking, a, he's taking a new ball out every time. And then he has someone literally bending down, spraying water on the ball to simulate dew. I mean, so he, he wants to make sure that he's got the game of golf down to a science. Now, <laughs> more recently, though, in between the uh, previous season and this season, that sucker gained 40 pounds. I give you a before and after. Here, here's the before and after picture. Do you know why he gained 40 pounds? It wasn't the COVID 40. I mean, that, that's not what he gained. <laughs> he, he gained 40 pounds so that he could hit the ball further. So, so that's, that's what he did because in his mind, science, he knows if I have a little bit more poundage and, and, and I'm swinging and I'm even stronger with that poundage than that ball. And he actually is one of the top leading drivers on tour this year. Now, when asked about his uh, kind of philosophy and techniques, here's what Bryson said. People don't realize how hard I work to try and get a better understanding of my, here it is, biomechanics. Listen, I just want to learn the golf swing. Who I, I don't know. What, I don't even know what biomechanics means, but he does. I've never really been, been super talented, but I've always had to work twice as hard as everybody growing up. That dedication has allowed me to be more consistent. I'm just a little, I'm just a little different cat. That's okay. I like that and appreciate that about myself and that I'm able to stay true to myself. I've got a lot of great people around me that allow me to be consistent with who I am and just keep working hard. That's just who I am. What, what is Bryson saying? What his confidence is in shapes the core of his living. You see, his confidence in his golf game is around biomechanics. It is around the science of the game, which has shaped the way he practices. What does he trust in? He trusts, he doesn't really trust in himself. He's like, man, I'm not all really that, that stellar when it comes to the game of golf. What I've done is I've become a student. And, and what, what I trust in has really drove what I, what I live for. See, let me ask you this. What's your confidence in life? Hey, hey are you sitting there online? You, you, you're watching. What, what's your confidence 
What is it in? Because whatever it's in will shape what you live for. What's your confidence in? What do you, what do you trust in? Because what Paul is going to get at here in Philippians 3 is that wherever your confidence resides, that's going to shape the core of your living. And so with that in mind, will you stand as we honor the reading of God's Word? And you can even join us at home. This might be a great time to get a cup of coffee and you can act like you're standing. Uh, so, But we're going to stand and we're going to honor the reading of God's Word. And here's the reason why we stand. Is if a king was walking into our room, getting ready to address us, we would all stand in honor of the king. Well, here's what we believe as, as believers, is that the king has written his word to us. And every time we read the word of God, although it was penned by men, it was, it was prompted by the Holy Spirit of God. And what we believe we are reading is the very words of King Jesus to us. So Philippians 3, verse 7, Paul writes, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, everybody whisper it into your mask, garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind so that I can strain towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, will you speak to us this morning as you spoke the world into existence, giving shape and formation. I pray that you would give shape and formation to our lives. May we leave different. May we even engage in a way that is different than, than when we tuned in. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here's where we are going this morning. We're going to go ahead and give you the mile markers. We're going to see where our confidence should, shouldn't be, but naturally is. Who our confidence should be, but it's too costly to do and too good to be true for some. And then how our new confidence should shape the core of our living. So number one, mile marker number one, where our confidence shouldn't be, but naturally is. Now I'm going to go back to verse three, and I'm going to read you verse three through six. I just want you to listen to it. Here's what Paul writes. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Like, so he's really kind of explaining these Judaizers, these very religious people that kind of, you know, build up their resume to make themselves look good. And here's what Paul basically says. He's like, if someone has any reason to put confidence in the flesh, to put confidence in their resume, I have more. And here's what he says. 
I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, that, that's just pretty, that's a, that's a cool phrase right there. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. So what Paul was saying is that, listen, if I had any confidence to, to put to, to put in a resume, it would be my resume. I mean, look at me. I have a BA, a Bachelor's of Arts, a Master's of Divinity, a PhD. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I know the law backwards and forwards, you know? Like, I got it all memorized. You just give me a verse, and I'll give, I'll, I'll you know, kind of give me a verse like Genesis 3, 20. He's like, I'll quote it just like that because I'm that smart. I, I have all of the notable references. I've studied under Gamaliel. Like, I, I, I'm the guy. Like, if you, if you thought you had a resume, if you thought you were somebody, and, 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 even, and, and even in addition in addition to all of that, I'm a Roman citizen. Listen, I got a Roman driver's license. You got one of those? See, I, not only am I Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm a Roman citizen. I can go there, I can go there, I can go wherever I want to as a Roman citizen with position and prestige. Sounds like a great resume. And so anytime he went imano, imano with, imano with other religious people, he just pulls out his resume and say, can you match that? See, and he's saying this, if he's looking at his life as if it was a P&L statement, a profit and loss. He's like, man, I got all of the assets. I, I got all of the gains. Like, if you really want to look at my resume. But here's what Paul is, here's what he's kind of getting at, and here's kind of the principle that he is hinting at, because it's the way the world thinks, or it's the way many in the world think. Confidence in flesh drives performance in life. Confidence in flesh drives performance in life. Like we live in such a culture where there is a good percentage of people, they live by that principle. They, they, they try to gain as much money as they can. They try to get as, as big of a position as they can. They make sure that they live in the right subdivision on the right side of the train tracks, if you know what I mean. They make sure that they have a good retirement. Uh, they make sure that, that even their children, because if they have this growing privilege, if they have this growing prestige, if they have this, this growing perception that they are trying to attain, then they put that yoke on their children. And so their children need to go to the right schools. Their children need to get the right grades. The children need to get the right jobs. Why? Because if you put your confidence in flesh in your resume, what you do, who you are, where you live, it drives performance in life. Now, here's the question. How do you know that you've arrived? How, how do you know that your, your flesh has taken you where you want to be? Well, only you could kind of answer that, but here's what I would say. You might say, I finally got this position. I have arrived. But here's the problem. You got to keep that position. Amen. So what do you got to do? You got, your, your wheels got to keep spinning and spinning and spinning. Hey, listen to Nicole Kidman. She said this years ago. 
Winning an Oscar can show you the emptiness of your own life, which is kind of what it showed me. I was having professional success and my personal life was struggling. She said I had reached it, but I was so dissatisfied. And then here's the other thing that I would say is, uh, anything Nicole Kidman played in lately that we're like, woohoo? No. She's faded off the scenes. See, confidence in flesh drives performance in life. That is why this world is so built upon the rat race of performance. But you say, well, Josh, uh, excuse me. I'm not driven by performance. I really don't care. I'm kind of one of the the, the kind of the, the, the small percentage out there that just kind of in some sense thinks the American dream is dead, so there's no reason why I should even perform. But then, but here's the, don't miss this. There's, there's even that segment, while they might not put their confidence in their flesh, driving their performance, guess what they do? And we see it on the news all the time. They put their confidence in other people's flesh and what they can do for them. And then, when whether it's politicians or whether it's business owners, when they don't meet the, their demands, there's dissatisfaction. See, our world is built upon confidence in flesh. Whether it's our own flesh or whether it's someone else's flesh that we think should give us the life we want. And what Paul is sitting there saying is that, man, I had that life. I built an incredible resume. It was never enough. It's kind of like the song that never ends. You remember that song? This is a song that never ends. It keeps going on and on, my friends. Just stop. You know, like, just stop, Josh, please. Yeah. But the problem is, is that song keeps going and going and going. It never, it never stops. And see, when people put their confidence in their flesh or other people's flesh, their need to perform, their need for other people to perform never ceases. It only increases. So Paul says, hey, uh, This is where you shouldn't put your confidence, but it's naturally where people put their confidence. Mile marker number two. Who our confidence should be, but seems too costly to do, and too good to be true. Now, I just want want you to think about this. So look at verse 7 and 9. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. And let's just stop right there. Because we'll get to for, for, for the sake of Christ. We'll, we'll get there in just a second. But I consider loss. Hey, did you hear that online? <laughs> Paul says everything. I mean, like he had a laundry list of all of these quote-unquote worldly gains. But now in verse 7, he's like, whatever, whatever I thought was gain. What does he say, people? Speak, speak it silently in your mask. Loss. <laughs> Let that sink in. Let it sink in. For us in this room this morning, let me, let me try to put it in 21st century vernacular, right? Here we go. Coming from a good family, loss. Following in the footsteps of your hero, loss. Being passionate and zealous for what you do, loss. Having so many people working under you, loss. 
Making straight A's, getting the MVP award, loss. Being on the principles list, loss. Giving to the needy so that you can feel better about yourself, loss. Being able to quote the Bible, having, having perfect online attendance during the pandemic, loss. <laughs> Fulfilling your dream, loss. Having a long-term marriage, loss. Having your kids listen to you and behave like beautiful angels, loss. <laughs> Those are all performance issues. And, and here's the thing, it's not that they're bad. It's not that they are inherently, intrinsically bad. They're good. Who doesn't want to have good kids? Who doesn't want to have straight A's? You're like, I really don't. I just want A's and B's and C's. That'd be great. But who doesn't want this list? But Paul says they're lost. <laughs> In fact, he's actually going to use a word and... Uh, Let's look at, at it here. He's going to use the word garbage in the NIV, but in the Greek, the word is scubala. Everybody say scubala. Scubala, yeah. Online say scubala. Yeah, you get, yeah. You almost cussed. That's how strong of a word it is. It means garbage, dung, manure. I mean, it is, it, it is supposed to be a forceful word. And Paul says, everything that I would, you would consider gains, scubula, loss. Now, just think about it. That's too costly for some to do. Like, they don't want to renounce all the good things. They don't want to renounce their resume. It's just too much. You mean, Paul, you're, you're telling me that I've got to announce scubala to all of that which I have gained? That's what he says. But do you know what he gained? Because, I mean, just think about it, right? I mean, if he's going to renounce all of those gains, you, you've, you've got to believe that there's something far greater, far weightier than all of those gains combined. And Garland, you said it. Go ahead and say it to us again. Who, who, who was his gain? Christ. Christ was his gain. And, and, and look at verse 8 and 9. Because of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may, what? Gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Here's the principle, and we need to, in some sense, get this principle tattooed somewhere on our heart. And here's the principle right here. And boom, the confidence in Jesus satisfies the value of our life. See, see, and then I'm telling you, I wish our world would get this because they are dissatisfied. They are unfulfilled. They have this emptiness to them. Uh, they think that they can do it, but they can never achieve it. They think the government can do it, but the government can't do it. The only person who can give value to our life, who can breathe into us the very breath of life is Jesus. 
satisfies. He satisfies. But for many, that's just simply too good to be true. That's just, just too simple. I mean, Josh, we live in such a complex world. I mean, we got pandemics. Every, you know, like, I mean, literally the nation is split over masks and how complicated masks are. Are you telling me this is, this is it? Just trust Jesus and you'll be satisfied what the Bible says. Uh, you, you know, uh, I, I love the Enneagram. Anybody else like, like the Enneagram, follow the Enneagram? Some of you might think it's demonic. I don't, I don't go there. Uh, but you're like, it's so weird of the, of the little model thing. I just stay away from it. I kind of like the Enneagram. And the reason why I like the Enneagram, it just kind of shows your personality, right? It, it doesn't hit you kind of, you know, square on the head. Like, but, but it gives you a good general picture. Like, my wife's a nine, a peacemaker. I'm a three an achiever. So think about, think about that. I'm an achiever. That means I want to build my resume because the more I achieve, the better I feel. That's just the Enneagram three. And, 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 and see, uh, and here's the thing. It's not just Enneagram three, but, but it's really all Enneagrams. We, we have this phobia. Like for Enneagram threes, the phobia is not succeeding. Uh, for the Enneagrams 5 and 8, it's the loss of control. You want to be in control. For the Enneagram 2, the helper, and the Enneagram 9, you have the fear of being unloved or unwanted or failing others. Enneagram 4, you have the fear of trusting others, the fear of abandonment. But what Jesus who he is, he is our ultimate confidence that completely satisfies and we don't have to have the phobias that prevent us from experience life in its fullest. So is Jesus your confidence? Because if he's your confidence, your self-worth, when you say, what's my self-worth? You'll say, Jesus. When you ask, where does my value come from? You'll say, Jesus. What is my satisfaction? Jesus. Who is my hope? Jesus. Where does my help come from? Jesus. Who loves me regardless of performance? Jesus. Where does my security and stability come from? Jesus. What's my life all about? Jesus. Where does my joy come from? Jesus. Who gave his life for me when I had no life to give? Jesus. Who got a hope for me and a future for me? Jesus. Who's preparing a place for me? Jesus. Where does my wisdom and discernment come from? See, Jesus satisfies the value of your life. And can I just say a word to the church? See, we have a tendency in our Western society to apply everything almost individually. Church, is this our confidence? See, here's the thing that I know about Tri-Village. You've been through some transition. <laughs> Pandemic didn't help. Pandemic didn't help the church, and we see that. But where does our confidence as a church, where does it reside? See, here's, and again, this is just, this is more of my kind of opinion of the matter, okay? And opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them, and they all stink. I'm afraid that the church, see, scubala, right? Scubala, dung, manure. 
I, 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 have, I, I just have this feeling that many, many churches, they step in the mess of scubalas, which keeps them from engaging the mission of God. You see, the church, I mean, the church, we, we are not to be steppers of, 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 of messes, right? We, we're not to step in messes. We are to engage in mission. And see, Paul is saying, if you put your confidence in the kind of programs that you have, in the kind of music you want, in, in, in the kind of, uh, I don't know, student ministries or children's ministries that you have, what you're going to find is you're going to find dissatisfaction when they don't meet your needs. And as a result, you'll turn to a consumer-based Christian who wants to go find a perfect mess that meets all of your needs rather than engaging in the mission of God. I ain't preached in five months. It feels a little good. <laughs> Hannibal had texted me, hey, you good with this date? And uh, this was like, I don't know, two months ago. And, he, and I said, yeah, absolutely. I started studying. So... Uh, Tri Village, we, we need our confidence to be in Jesus. And that's the, I'm telling you, He's the only one that will be able to ride this pandemic. He's the only one that's able to keep us effective and efficient at ministry and mission. And God help us, He's the only one to keep us unified. So, number three, you guys ready for mile marker number three? You better be. I mean, this is tough. How our new confidence shapes the core of our living. How our new confidence shapes the core of our living. Look at verse, uh, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Man, that just, I'm telling you, it makes me emotional. I just want to know Christ. I tell you, when, when life gets complicated, <laughs> it does. When you're 14 and 12 and 8-year-old, they've been locked down, and you're trying to figure out how, I mean, like, how, how to just breathe life into them. Like, it gets a little complicated. And Paul, Paul, he kind of helps kind of carve throughout all of the complications and go, I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection, from the dead. What I'm about to say in the next five minutes is probably some of the most important language around a gospel life that we'll ever need. Okay? So everybody listening would just silently say it. We're listening. Now remember, your confidence in life shapes the core of your living. So for believers, what is the core of our living? Two things. Knowing the power of Jesus' resurrection in us and sharing in his sufferings. Whew. Sharing in his sufferings. Knowing the power of his resurrection. Now I want you to think about that. 
right? To, to know the power of Jesus' resurrection. He, he wants to understand the power of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. He wants to know the power of denying your flesh and the tendencies of your flesh and to knowing the power of the resurrected life that Jesus brings. He wants to experience the power of holiness over the power of wickedness. He wants to experience the victory over sin. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection who died for our sin, was buried for three days, but on the third day he rose victorious, conquering death hell and the grave and Paul says I want to plunge into the depths of knowing that kind of power I want to plunge into the depths of knowing that kind of victory I want to plunge into the depths of knowing that kind of life that's what I want and then I want to share in his sufferings I could preach a whole series on just sufferings. But Jesus left the perfection of heaven and engaged in life in a broken world filled with pain and suffering. But yet he walked through suffering with such resolve, with such meekness and power, never really getting bent out of shape. And some of you are like, well, he got mad at the temple. No, he got mad at the people of God trying to make a buck on God. So, he, so yeah, so he, he, got mad at, he got mad at church people. But then... He endured the cross, as Hebrew says, despising its shame. And see, in Paul, like he, he's going to get at this kind of life, like in Romans 12, to offer our bodies as what? Living sacrifices. Paul's going to say this in Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, if Jesus is your confidence, you're going to want to know the power of his resurrection. And you're going to even want to share in his suffering. So these are the two questions that form the core of your living. I'll give them to you right here. How do I need to die in order for Jesus to live through me? How do I need to die in order for Jesus to live through me? Second, how is Jesus' resurrection power emanating from my life? See, this goes back. It's too costly to do and sometimes just too good to be true. There might be some marriages. Just, man, uh, COVID-19 has not been good to you. But here's what I would dare say is that if you seek the power of Jesus' resurrection in you, if you submit to wanting to share in his sufferings, I promise you marital reconciliation is a possibility. Yeah. 
the whole idea that we're going through right now and we've been going through for decades and centuries over racial injustice and racial inequality, if you just look into the power of Jesus' resurrection and you share in his sufferings, there will be unity. But it's too costly to do, and sometimes it's just too good to be true for people. And see what, uh, and I end with this, see what Paul says this, I mean, just, just look at verse. Not that I have already obtained all of this. He's not, he's not arrived. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's his motivation. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One of these days, if you are in Jesus and your confidence is in Jesus, your trust is in Jesus, one day you will experience in this complete reality, the full-on-out power of Jesus' resurrection and the full-on-out power of His suffering. Because you will be a citizen of the kingdom of God in all of its glory. However, in the meantime, it is a daily race, a daily marathon, It is one where you will have to forget what's happened in the past. You will have to claim Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And you will have to strain towards what is ahead. And you will have to dig deeper and deeper into the gospel. I'll leave you with this. I've always said over the last, I would say, uh, five, seven years of my ministry that Jesus doesn't want you to know more Bible in particularly He wants you to know the gospel more deeply. Because think about it this way. Is that we can know knowledge and Bible verses all day long. And we will hover on the surface of the the ocean called the gospel. But if we will plunge deep into the depths of the gospel. Of the ocean of the gospel. The deeper we go the more we will be crushed by the gospel. And the more we will ooze the gospel. And see when we do that. The core of our life will have manifested the confidence of our life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it molds us and shapes us into the new creation you have called us to be. I do pray that we would be gospel people who stake our confidence and who stake our trust in you. And when we are tempted to build it on the sinking sand of our flesh or of other people's flesh, Spirit, will you bring us conviction so that we might reestablish our foundation in you. Thank you for Tri-Village. Thank you for Wheaton Bible Church. Thank you for the days of head. We know that You have plans for us. Plans to engage in mission. Plans to be gospel people. 
plans to be salt and light in a world that is growing more and more dark. May we be that true community that you have made possible by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand as we close this morning and, and we sing a song that we're familiar with here. I will look up. We just make this our, our prayer this morning.
Who you trust in is who you'll live for. And TVC, we are a community that trusts in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thank you for opening up God's word, brother. That was a feast. Thank you, brother. Now remember, ushers are going to dismiss you from your seat, but hang out in the parking lot. Connect. This is Familia, and if you're anything like me, you say bye 16 times before you actually get to the car. So stop in the parking lot and hang out. Pray for each other. Find out how we're doing. See how we can serve one another. Like we've been doing for the past couple weeks, TVC, I want you to receive these words from the end of Philippians. May it encourage you. May it challenge you. May it launch you into your week to be the church, to be who you are in Jesus. Hear these words from, from God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to this, TVC. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are commissioned, TVC. Be the church. Love you all.